Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but struggling to diversify your candidate pool? Then come check out our job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, jstore.org is looking for a senior brand designer in New York City or Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Design Action Collective is looking for a lead web designer in Oakland, California. Companies, stop making excuses on your DNI efforts and post your job listings with us. For just $99, your listing will be on our job board for 30 days, and we'll help spread the word for you throughout our podcast. Get started with us and expand your job search today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Revision Path. I'm Maurice Cherry. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that submissions will open for Volume 2 of our design anthology, Recognize, on Sunday, March 1st. Now, the theme for this year is Fresh. And you can find out more information about the Recognize project at recognize.design. We'll also put a link to it in the show notes. Also, we're wrapping up 28 Days of the Web for 2020 at the end of this week. 28 Days of the Web, uh, for those of you who might not know, is our sister site. And during February, we honor a different black designer or developer for each day in the month. You can follow along at 28daysoftheweb.com or follow the project on Twitter at 28daysoftheweb. Now let's talk about our sponsors, Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like a glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with Jalen Easley, a brand designer here in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Jalen Easley, and I am a Baltimore race creative, now currently living and working here in Atlanta. I specialize in design strategy and interactive design. So I like to do a lot of things that are dealing with just different design trends and things that are going on currently, as well as emerging technologies that some people may have heard of, such as MR, mixed reality or VR, certain things like that. And I like combining the two worlds to see the different possibilities or opportunities that we're able to reach. So Nice. And now you just recently started at Accenture, is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Back in October. Yep. Okay. What's an average day like for you there? So at Accenture, I work in our innovation hub, which is the, the largest office in the Southeast region. I currently do experience design. So I help support our internal teams 
whenever we have different clients that come in that want some sort of consulting workshop done, we kind of help support those pods that do mainly more of the strategy and business side of things. So they're the ones helping close the deals and everything while we're on the back end doing all the visual assets. So if a different client comes in, then we would make all types of assets, everything from digital signage to say welcome to that company, name badges, we would do PowerPoint decks, and we kind of come up with a theme around what the visual looks like for when that company comes in to do that workshop. So it's a pretty interesting time. I get to learn a lot of different technologies and softwares and things like that. For example, I'm working in After Effects right now, which is kind of interesting because I never thought I would be like actually doing real motion design stuff. So it's pretty, it definitely pushes the limits when when it comes to combining technology and design. Nice. It sounds like it's pretty fun so far. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love Accenture. It's so much software there. I would imagine working in some place called like the Innovation Hub. That sounds very like next level futuristic kind of stuff. Yeah, we definitely... There are so many things that Accenture is working on in-house and just their dealings with other companies and things like that. We get a chance to kind of put our hands in in every little pot. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, we have a a 360 camera that we're kind of testing out right now to see how we can use it, you know, within some of the workshops and, and helping to kind of get that innovation piece, I guess, to the clients or communicate it well to the clients so that they can kind of see that that part of Accenture as well. What drew you to working for Accenture? I think just the way that their company is progressing. They're definitely not a brand new company, but a lot of the things that they're doing in the market, they're definitely dominating and being able to kind of push the limits when it comes to thinking outside the box, honestly, because so many different problems to solve that we've done at, you know, on the job. And it's just like whatever the client comes in for, we always find a really interesting way to problem solve around it. Honestly, coming out of SCAD, something that I wanted to do was being able to combine strategy and design. You know, I liked the concepting around designing and coming up with the theme and the abstract for it and everything like that. So I really was kind of drawn to that strategy and and that consulting, so to speak, side of, of Accenture. So that's definitely something that drew me forward to them. And now for those that are, are listening and may not know specifically, like, what experience design is or why you would combine strategy, you know, which is something that's probably more left brain cerebral with design, mm-hmm. which is more right brain and creative. Can you talk a little bit about that? Accenture has, you know, a few different necks when it comes to, you know, their overall brand. So they have an Accenture strategy, they have an Accenture interactive, but I think the interesting part about that is that they kind of co-create in one space. So definitely the importance to that with being able to come up with different and innovative new looks on you know, something that could have been easily solved with one, two, three. A lot of times, you know, that strategy involves using some sort of new technology, whether it's a software or whether it's an actual physical item. You know, we use these things on a day-to-day basis, like artificial intelligence, for example. We use it when we unlock our iPhones during the day or, you know, when we're logging into our computers. But 
it's never kind of seen to solve a problem, but more so just to be like a whistle and bell. So I guess just trying to incorporate that into like day to day life is going to start to make it easier for, I guess, for all users, you know, and experience design is something that, you know, some people might see as when they think of experience design, they think of user experience, which in a lot of cases is UX and UI, so to speak, uh, an industry term that's doing a lot of, you know, wireframing and looking at apps and, and the development or more so the the design of the development. So you're doing a lot of sketching, you're doing a lot of prototyping and things of that nature. But in this sense, experience design is being able to create a an experience for ideation, for co-creation to happen, because that's ultimately what's going to help take our clients to the next level is being able to co-create in one room and come up with a solid solution that has to deal with pushing the limits as well as sticking to what the company's core values are. So, Now, before Accenture, you were doing art direction and doing brand design for a very popular local restaurant here in Atlanta. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So before I came to Accenture, I was working with Slutty Vegan. A lot of people know them as like the the hot vegan burger joint. And, you know, it definitely quite the experience having worked with us, such an amazing team like that. Back in, I guess, November of 2018, their team had a social media challenge, which was package designing. So, you know, of course, people knowing that, of course, I'm a foodie. And I had been like telling people like, hey, you guys should eat at Slutty Vegan. Like the line is super long, but you guys should eat there to people sending me these different or the post from the package design challenge. So I ultimately ended up entering and I was like, okay, you know, there are some other designs out there and it, it should be interesting to see if, if I even make it to the next round. But then like a few days later, I get a notification that, hey, you made it to the top 10. So of course, people are like voting on mine. And I'm like every day searching through the comments. And like even Jermaine Dupree voted on mine, which was kind of crazy and <laughs> ultimately ended up winning the the design challenge in which they paid me for the design. But then they also made me kind of their personal freelancer. So all of their design needs were kind of, I guess, driven towards me. And then with that, them having posted me on their social media, I also got all of these different like freelance clients. And I mean, I was working on like 10 clients a month at one point and it was just crazy. So um, then, you know, once I, I was like, okay, you know, freelancing was nice and everything, but I think I was ready to make that full-time commitment with Slutty Vegan as they were with me. So probably around May of 2019, they hired me on full-time. And so, you know, I was able to create so many different types of designs for them, everything from the bags in their restaurants to the fry cups they just came out with a new slut sauce <laughs> in stores near you soon. And, you know, a few different other items that have kind of reached a lot of people ultimately. And something that was also interesting, you know, Pinky originally told me, she's like, I want you to put your name on the design. I was like, wait, you want me to put my, like my actual name on the bag? It's like, yes, like put it on there. So 
I ended up putting it on there. She uses these bags every day now. So I have like different people following me and reaching out to me every day just because of something that I did almost or I guess almost like a year and a half ago now. So it's definitely been a, a great experience and I still work with them to this day just, you know, on a freelance base, but definitely something that I kind of recommend for any designer that kind of wants to push their limits working with local businesses is a great idea. Wow, that's a pretty awesome story. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you won a design contest, ended up working with them, and they even, of course, I mean, trust your work enough to want to work with you, but then to also say, put your name on design, like you never hear companies try to put that much, I guess, investment into their design in that way or to their designers. That's really good. Exactly. And, you know, the really cool thing about Pinky was that anybody that she hired on, she had known already that they were kind of, I guess, contractors, so to speak. So they still had their own businesses, but, you know, Slutty Vegan was one of their clients. So she always put it as this is going to be that company that helps you kind of step forward into whatever you're looking to do. So she, uh, I, I definitely thank her for supporting, you know, my designs and being able to, you know, I mean, like I said, I branded so many different things that some that I can't mention because they haven't rolled out yet, but you know, others that kind of reach so many people, it was definitely a, a really good opportunity. So nice. I have yet to make it to Slutty Vegan. I keep hearing about the lines and that puts me off because I'm like, I don't want to go and have to wait like an hour in line. Like, I, I don't even know if there's like a good time to go. Like, it's, I'm assuming it's still super popular where people are waiting in those long lines, right? Yeah. I mean, that literally you're with everybody else in Atlanta. They're like, I would love to go to Slutty Vegan, but the lines are always terrible. Okay. So here's a cheat. So I would say go on like a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon are usually the best time. So like that four to seven period, because uh -huh. there's usually like no line there. So good to, to know. Good to know. <laughs> I might have to edit that out, but no, that's, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> So at the top of the show, you mentioned being from Baltimore. Tell me about growing up there. Yeah. So I am born and raised in Baltimore. Family is from there. I went to an all-girls high school, the oldest all-girls public high school in the nation, uh, Western High School, as did all of the women in my family. So it was kind of like a traditional thing. So the high school was originally where I started doing design. And I had taken a few AP art courses, which were pretty much just graphic arts instead of like visual arts. So there I started kind of playing in Photoshop and seeing like what the different effects would do. And I was able to kind of get a few portfolio pieces out of that to insert when I went to Bowie State. So from high school, you know, Baltimore was a really interesting place to grow up because like when you're younger, you never really reach out. Like as an adult, you might go to DC from Baltimore just because it's like an hour away, but you never like in DC unless it's like a field trip or something like that. So it was pretty interesting being so close to another really popular city, but never really interacted with them, I guess. And so I went to a uh, university, I went to undergrad at Bowie State University in HBCU out in Laurel, Maryland. And so there, I actually met one of my design mentors and uh, one of your uh, previous interviewees, uh, Jennifer White Johnson. She was yeah. my professor at Bowie. So she was really influential in my life and still is. She is an amazing visual artist. 
she is definitely a master of all tricks. I mean, like every time I see something different on her Instagram, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're doing this now. Like she's amazing. And she definitely kind of helped me get through those college years of designing and just being able to articulate yourself as a, a designer of color and getting out what you're really wanting to express. So that was pretty interesting. And she also definitely pushed me to go to SCAD during my, I guess, senior years towards the end of Bowie. So she encouraged that move. And so when I moved down to Atlanta, I definitely kept in touch with her as well. And just kind of sending her stuff and keeping up on what she was doing definitely inspired me to kind of keep going as a creative. So, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about just kind of what it was like in that sort of Bowie State kind of learning environment. You're right. We did have Jennifer. She was on the show, I think, like two or three months ago, a few months ago. But I'm curious, like, because I've heard a lot about Bowie State, and I've certainly heard a lot about the program through Jennifer, through other teachers that are there. From your perspective as a student, what was it like? Yeah. So originally, I honestly did not want to go to Bowie. I didn't want to be in the state of Maryland, but you know, when you have tuition and stuff, it kind of limits you. So I ended up going to Bowie. A friend of my dad's, which was another one of my professors, he kind of showed us, you know, during my my last year of high school, kind of showed us around there that building, which is the uh, VCDMA Visual Communications and Digital Media Arts Building. So, I mean, they had everything from theater to design and they had all these nice computer labs and it kind of just set the tone for me to say, okay, if I really wanted to be in an environment where I am able to flourish and kind of also work amongst other designers that are my age and also that kind of look like me, then this would be where I would want to do it. So, you know, especially at an HBCU, I knew that that was something that I wanted to do straight out of high school was that I wanted to be around, you know, my people. So mm-hmm. I went to Bowie and my years there were pretty awesome just with my, I guess there, I was campus activities board vice president there. And I, you know, was on a lot of the uh, initiatives under VCDMA. So different art clubs and things like that. And also, you know, I would work to kind of get sent to different conferences. So throughout my time at Bowie, I think they helped me go to two different conferences. One was HBCU South by Southwest, which is by a startup called Opportunity Hub that's local here to Atlanta, actually. Also a, a computer graphics conference called SIGGRAPH, uh, which is over in LA and they have it in a few different other places. So it opened the door for me to say, you know, whatever you want to do, you have that ability to do it. So why wait? Something that I was passionate about. This was something that had allies in, I guess, you know, because some, sometimes when you don't have friends that kind of do the same things that you do, or they don't really understand your thought process and a lot of things, then you kind of did get a little discouraged or unmotivated in some ways. So yeah. good to have a support system around me that kind of cared about my growth. And I also cared about theirs. So, and I'll say that also about the professors, you know, Many of them were supportive, and I mean, one of them helped me get my first internship with another one of your interviewees, Leon Lawrence. Oh, wow. Um, 
I actually worked with him. That was my first design internship during my senior year. I commuted back and forth for a whole semester from Bowie to D.C. every like two days or so. And I went to go work uh, at NACO, the National Association of Counties over in D.C. near the Hill. So that also, you know, was another step in my education, I guess, to kind of open my eyes to say, okay, there's not just design for aesthetic or design for, you know, whatever. There's design for political things too. You know, I, I that was something that I hadn't even thought about. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting the way that he kind of ran his team as well. So it got me exposed to a lot of different types of methodologies and and um, just ways of doing certain things. And also I ended up learning some different softwares there as well. So, but overall, you know, being in college at Bowie, you have the the HBCU life mixed with the design life, mixed with just being a part of the, the campus, so to speak. So again, I was campus activities vice president. So we kind of helped throw homecoming and spring fling and all those different events. And I guess on top of that, I also helped design for those things too. So I was designing all of the homecoming posters and all of the the posters for different activities going on at school and and events and stuff like that. So that also kind of gave me the experience that I needed, you know, when I started venturing out to do more freelance work. So it was like, okay, so this is, I have something to build off of now. So it was definitely a really unique experience for me there. Wow. Shout out to Bowie State. And there, I mean, one, I've heard a lot about how great the program is, but hearing you talk about it from the student end to see just how encompassing it was, not just to you as a designer, but like also to you as a Black person, because you're also working in these design environments with other Black people. So you're able to see kind of, oh, this is what the possibility can be for someone who looks like me. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Wow. When you first got down here to Atlanta, what was your your first design job? (sighs) (laughs) I feel like there's a story there. I signed up with a recruiting agency, which was the creative group. And, you know, usually they kind of, they have different clients and they'll place you at these different places. Mm -hmm. You fit the criteria or whatever have you. So I ended up interviewing with them. So they didn't have anything at the time, but I was interested in, in just being able to help, I guess, other creatives get different design jobs and just being able to help also other creatives of color get design jobs. Cause I, I felt like that was something that I had had a little bit of experience in on the design end, as well as like on the, uh, the mentoring end, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting that job, which was just being a recruiter for different companies and things like that. So if let's say if home Depot needed a, a website designer, we would help find them and place them there. So that was like really my first introduction to the business of design, so to speak. So I got to learn a lot about what design agencies function like on the internal scale. So being able to know what a creative director was, what an art director was, what they did, what kind of projects they worked on, and more so for me, helped me progress what are they looking for in resumes? What's the price point for those? How do I, you know, get the most out of what I'm doing now? So that kind of helped me or so to speak, pushed me to be able to start 
to venture out to these different companies and say, hey, you know, I want to start applying for certain places so that, you know, I feel like I have kind of a one of knowledge to be able to compare. So, you know, I wanted to start to apply for jobs at that point. So I think my first job here as a designer was more so freelance. So I was doing a lot of freelance for clients around the area because Atlanta is a really big place for entrepreneurs and, and, you know, everybody owns their own business here. Everybody has a store. They have social media presence. So everyone needs a logo done or some branding or some packaging for a new product they're coming out with. So a lot of my time was dedicated to helping other people kind of progress their, the branding of their business and sitting down with them and kind of looking over exactly what they needed to help, I guess, progress with whatever, you know, visual assets they were trying to produce. So whether that be an apparel line or a candle line or a music label, whatever have you. So then my, I guess, slutty vegan was technically like my in-between job because it was still like a, a startup environment, but I didn't really have a design team there to support me and and kind of balance with me. So I guess Accenture was my first real design job, so to speak, where, you know, I have some say in the creative decisions where I'm able to kind of produce what I want and, and have a voice where as to I can help support these different workshops and, and helping to gain the clients and things like that. So so yeah, Accenture was definitely, I guess, my first like real industry job, so to speak. That's really good that when you started out here, it was in a capacity where you could really kind of see what companies were looking for in terms of hiring. Because so I've been here now in Atlanta for 20 years now. And I'll tell people like designers that want to come here or designers that are interested. I'm like, Atlanta is great for freelancers, but it's terrible if you're looking for work. Like, right. because yeah. like you said, there are so many people that are doing something, you know, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've taken an Uber or a Lyft somewhere. And I happen to mention I'm a designer all of a sudden, mm-hmm. oh, let me get your car. Cause I'm looking for somebody. Uh, I need logo uh, for this. <laughs> like if I was still freelancing, I could be getting work like left and right. But then I'll have people that will contact me. that are like, oh, I'm moving from New York or San Francisco. And I want to know what product design jobs are down here. And I'm like, uh, I don't no and and also like the atlanta and and i i feel like maybe this is starting to change but i still feel like the atlanta business landscape doesn't really respect designers at least not in the same way as say new york or silicon valley what is it relates to kind of the competitiveness and the 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 types of jobs and the amount of jobs that are available atlanta still feels like it's a little behind in that respect i'm curious like when you were were doing the uh you know doing the recruiting like what is it that companies are looking for outside of what's on the resume yeah so you know atlanta like you kind of said it's it's definitely a a pretty big i guess business park so to speak and I, i say that in the way of there are a lot of companies starting to move here on Georgia grounds to, you know, just to get a little bit of the tech scene here. Because outside of like Silicon Valley, Atlanta is definitely starting to be a hub of of innovation that's growing. You know, there's so many different startups and and other technologies here that companies are wanting to move here. So, 
these companies are primarily looking for, you know, a lot of them like they're okay. And I'll say this too. There are certain companies that like people that are fresh out, people that are going to schools like General Assembly, which you could do UX and UI and graphic design at some people that are coming out of Georgia State or local colleges like SCAD too. But then there are some companies that want people that are seasoned professionals. So they want the the people that have maybe freelanced for Cartoon Network and ESPN and all these other places because they understand and they can kind of bring something to the table. So I'll say, you know, a place like the Home Depot, they have a huge hub here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but they definitely like to hire on a lot of the new talent because that's what kind of keeps their designs fresh. And that's what kind of keeps their, I guess, everything moving for them is is they're getting those people that are fresh out and they know the industry, they know what trends are going on. So they you know like that. So it definitely just depends on on your tenure where you want to go but in addition they're you know looking for people with obviously their own you know full websites that are interactive that look really good they're looking for people whose resumes are you know super on point as far as layout and and simplicity goes really big trend and this is nothing new to you or anyone in the industry is minimalism so everyone likes to see something clean because honestly maybe half the time the people that are hiring these designers aren't designers themselves yeah the the person that hired me at Accenture isn't a designer in any way shape or form so it's pretty interesting you would be surprised to know that a lot of these companies are having you know a design manager who may not have anything hands-on to do with the design that's hiring this person. Um, So, you know, definitely just to keep the perspective fresh in terms of what you're putting out there. So those are just a few things. But if you go to any of these recruiting agencies, they'll kind of tell you what the client is looking for in that particular instance, just so you're getting the best out of that situation. Interesting. I had the roughest time with design <laughs> like back when I was really looking before I started. Well, not really before I started my studio, even when I was winding my studio down, like it was tough. Like I remember going to one and I'll name names cause I don't care, but like I, I went to not the creative circus. It's the, I think it's the creative circle. circle or something. They all have creative yeah. in their name in some uh-huh. permutation or whatever, but <laughs> this was like the creative circle. And I remember going and I had my resume and I had shown that I had my own studio here called Lunch. And this was at the time, I think we had just passed the eight year mark. And I was like, yeah, I've done my own you know, studio work for eight years. But then before that, I worked at WebMD, AT&T and whatever. And I remember the recruiter looking at my resume and she's like, uh-huh. And then she put like a big X over oh. my freelance experience on my resume and said, so it looks like you stopped working in 2008. What's that about? And I'm what? like, wait, what? <laughs> Do you not see the 2008 to 2017 part here where I clearly have been working and have like won awards and here are the awards and everything? And she's like, yeah, uh, none of that really matters. Like we're looking for people that have like actual employment experience because we have to be able to check references and make sure that you've actually done the work and not just sat at home and said that you've done the work. And I was like, well, damn, okay, that's rough. But the reason I'm asking that is because I know, like we said, you know, there's a lot of people here that do freelance work. And it seems like, and I'm basing it off my experience. I don't, I can't really talk to others, but 
it seems right. like that freelance experience often doesn't count sometimes. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like in, in some instances, it doesn't for, you know, when you're trying to get into those those Fortune 500 companies, you know, they want to see what real work you've done, so to speak. And I, I say that, quote unquote, because they see like the you did this and that for this football team or the NFL, or they want to see these big, large names that kind of strike some sort of excitement within them. Because, you know, if you're doing anything on a smaller scale, it's like, they call it mom and pop shop stuff. So they aren't, it all depends on the job that they're looking for. But I'll say, you know, when we were, when I was working with the creative group, uh, we looked for all levels of people, people that were still in school. And there were some people who were like, okay, like we really wanted them for a particular job, but they were still in school and they didn't have any real work experience. But then there were some people with 15 years plus work experience that we were like, okay, this person looks good because they've, you know, had this experience with a, B, and C. So yeah. definitely just depends on the, the scenario there. But <laughs> I, I would say choose wisely and don't put all your eggs in one basket because, I mean, like you, I obviously didn't have <laughs> that well of uh, of luck with recruiting agencies because I ended up working for one. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I, I feel like the Atlanta ecosystem is very unique in that we have like these top art schools like SCAD and Art Institute we have mm-hmm. even really great programs at four-year institutions like Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Emory, et cetera. But then we've also got all these HBCUs here. So you have this really yeah. interesting mix of talent from a lot of different points of view, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different types of experience. And it just seems yeah. like the Atlanta market has not necessarily found the best way to really tap into that. Like I, I still get conversations from people like, Oh, well, we can't find diverse candidates for our our hiring pool in Atlanta. You mean to tell me in Atlanta, you can't find a black designer. I refuse to believe that, but whatever. (laughs) And I was going to say, you know, something that going back to Accenture that I really admire about them is they not only promote diversity and inclusion, but they are one of those companies that shows it, you know, I always kind of joke with one of my my other senior managers and she's like, this is as many black people as you're going to see in one environment at one time. So definitely soak this up. And we're like, wow, like it's a a huge mixing pot when it comes to so many different backgrounds and where people are from. I've met people from all different places all over because Accenture has all these different offices. So Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm happy to be a part of, and I'm glad that that they're actually promoting that when they're you know recruiting from these different universities and stuff like that. At your like current stage right now, like you, first of all, congratulations! You recently graduated from SCAD, so congratulations on Thank that. You. Between Thank you. that and like the work that you're doing at Accenture, like how do you see the current design scene or the current design like community in Atlanta? I would say that the creative community here in Atlanta is diverse, not only in capabilities of, I mean, there are so many different types of design and and creative, so to speak, here. Everything from set design to creative direction to brand design, but also, you know, actually in 
I guess, physical appearance, there are different types. I knew that going to SCAD, I wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be an HBCU or PWI necessarily, but I was interested to see what that experience would be like. And surprisingly, when I got there, there was, I mean, we were probably still the minority, but there were a lot of different kinds of people there. There were Nigerians, there were Asian people, there were people from Colombia and Brazil. And it it was just a huge opportunity to be able to gain those different perspectives and just about what other people are thinking about and and what other people are doing in their design. So like, I I still have really good design friends that are from all different backgrounds that kind of offered their own, I guess, pizzazz, so to speak, to design. And, And they definitely are able to articulate themselves in a whole different way than you know, maybe you or me do. It's really interesting to see, you know, that scene of people coming into the corporate world. And of course, you want to keep up with different classmates and things like that. So they're working at different agencies that deal with different ad agencies, or they're working on freelance, or, you know, they're working in the corporate space. So it's definitely becoming more of a I guess corporate is starting to catch up to where the younger designers are just in terms of, you know, different trends that you kind of see going on in design design right now and just through what their their product is or or what they're advertising or what their ad looks like when it's put out. So that combination of of designers and, and environment is really starting to, I guess, make Atlanta, so to speak. When, whenever any anyone asks me, you know, how's Atlanta or, or, you know, what are you doing down there? Or how, how's the creative scene? It's always something different going on, you know? Mm-hmm. There's always sort of installation going on or pop-up or vendor market or even conferences. There are so many different, like, meetups here. You know, having worked for the creative group, one of my, my recruiting tools, so to speak, was meetup.com. So we would find different events that had to deal with design and we would go to them to find, you know, people that we wanted to kind of recruit for the creative group. So like we would go to different events just that were being held based in UX design or based in development or there were all different kinds of, of designs. There were study groups. There were just having fun kind of game night design types of things. So it's definitely a really interesting combination of people versus environment. Nice. So one of the, the projects you're working on right now is called the 100 Days of Design. Where did the idea come from for that? I had just been kind of looking to doing a different medium of design. I had been doing like your black and white graphic design, so to speak, which was using Photoshop and 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 different Adobe tools to help with the designs. But I wanted to start to illustrative style just because it, it was something that I had seen, but I had never tried. And honestly was a little afraid or intimidated because I had seen so many different renditions and and interpretations of different artists doing their own illustrations. So I started doing 100 Days of Design, and I I looked for a challenge actually to do, but I couldn't find anything. I think there was one, but it started in April, and 
I was like, well, no, I want to get started now. So I um, made up my own challenge and it's probably some other designers have probably done it, but I just called it 100 days of design. And so each day I am pushing myself to not only create one thing each day, but also share it because something that I had seen in the past just with my own work was that especially a lot on my social media with like Instagram and Facebook and things like that was that I had never, or I hadn't put too much of my work on there. So I wanted to get into the habit of being able to share my work with others, not because I wanted them. Well, I guess not because I wanted to like promote myself, but just because I wanted to get my art out there into the world and, you know, not just have it on my website or because I, I was actually talking to a friend and he was like, you should like your start to put your stuff somewhere else other than your website. And I'm like, well, you know, why? Like, why does it matter? And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a way of expression because he's a photographer. So if you like look at his Instagram, it's all his work as opposed to just pictures of him and, and random stuff. So it's just a way for me to be able to push myself to create every day, to keep going, to be able to reach different opportunities with my design and see where I can push the limits personally. So Nice. How's it been going so far? It's good. I am not the best when it comes to time management. So I'm still definitely trying to figure out a good schedule because with me working full time, plus, you know, I I do yoga after work and still kind of studying it. And I got my my certification in yoga uh, last February. So still kind of studying it, you know, whenever I have the time to and doing design. And it's like, I wanted to be able to, I guess, find some time for myself to do something that I like to do while not like (laughs) sweating all day and and, like working hard diligently all day. So, so besides, you know, that part of it, I think it's going pretty well. and, And I'm starting to explore the different types of of illustrations I can do and different ways that I can start to incorporate different things like color palettes and and themes and things like that. So it's going pretty well. Well, the good thing is you don't necessarily have to do it like every day. So like a hundred, like a hundred days, there's 306, well, this year there's 366 days. So you've got, Mm -hmm. you can get a hundred days out of that. Doesn't have to necessarily be consecutive. Right. I've been like some days I'll like group them together. Like this past weekend, I just like grouped Friday through Sunday together. I was like, yeah, here's all of the weekend stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you have to do, especially when you're, you're, you know, working full time and you've got other stuff going on. I did a project back in 2015 called the year of tea. It was a mm-hmm. podcast and I would do a different episode, like a short episode, like less than five minutes reviewing a different type of tea or a different, you know, brand of tea or whatever. And I didn't do those every day. I would batch them, especially if I knew I was going to be like off at a conference for a week or off somewhere else, I would just batch them. So they would schedule to go out. Now I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit because I said like a year. So I had to do it every day. (laughs) A friend of mine, uh, Diane Holton, who has been on the show, she's a a deputy art director at AARP in DC and she did a uh, a whole thing also on Instagram, a whole like daily-ish design practice called Daily Digits, where she fashioned numbers out of different found objects. 
So like she would get, you know, like little candies and make like the number eight or something like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, you heard Mm -hmm. of it? I think I saw it because I I had followed Diane at one point. We, you know, with the whole DC and and Bowie thing, they always brought someone new from the creative DC space to Bowie. So I think Mm -hmm. I had met her. Yeah, she did the campaign. Well, that wasn't a campaign. I know she did end up doing a campaign with HP on the whole like thousand. She did a thousand of them for daily digits. So it was just interesting seeing how she would take these random objects and just make numbers. Like I'm looking at it right now. One of them, she took Kit Kat wrappers and made mm-hmm. 997. And then she used ramen noodles and like flavor packets to make 998, <laughs> you know, use gummy worms to make 999. So like, it's interesting how you see all these different objects and figure like, Oh, what's a way to like create something out of this, you know? That's a really good thing. I, I wish more creatives did that just as a practice, not necessarily to have like a body of something to show off, but it does right. kind of like it engages that sense of discovery and creativity that sometimes can get lost if you're just doing a nine to five or if you're hustling as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, you kind of lose that spark a little bit unless something new comes along. And then this forces you into that on a pretty regular basis, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll say, you know, going from the startup life with Slutty Vegan and, you know, it, it was kind of like a, a 24-7 thing because it was weekends, it was in the week, it was all the time. So, you know, ultimately I was doing stuff for them, but I never was able to kind of get out my own creativity and and be able to push myself to say, okay, like, let's think of something new. Let's create something new. When I came over to Accenture, it was like, I'm still in this transition period. And, you know, I had some other things in life going on. So I wanted this time to be able to start fresh this year, you know, not having made any resolutions, but more so just intentions of being able to help myself grow and and help that self-discovery, like you were saying, that kind of made that that internal spark for me because it was something that, you know, when you haven't done it for a while, it's like you almost a little bit lose that motivation. And, and that's something that is what makes you, you, you know, it's something that encourages you to do better. It encourages you to keep going and it encourages you to, you know, be this free being. So it was something that I wanted to be able to still have and say, okay, this is something that I'm going to do for me. I'm just, you know, more so sharing it just to get into the habit of, of sharing it. But this is definitely something that is all for me and not to, like you said, have a huge body of work, but just to have to see my progression over my works and to see which ways I can do different things here and there. So, yeah. So just to, you know, kind of switch gears here a little bit, you know, what are you excited about at the moment? Currently, okay, can I name two things? One is a quick So I'm excited about South by Southwest this year. I want to go. (laughs) And um, obviously Accenture being a a huge company in innovation, they're, you know, always doing different events there. So 
um, not only for them, but, you know, I went back in 2017 and it was, you know, even without having a, a conference ticket. I mean, we had one, but outside of the conferences where, you know, the, the installations were and the companies were doing these huge pop-ups and all different kinds of stuff. So I would love to go back to South by Southwest this year. So that's my number one thing. Number two, so at my job right now at Accenture, we are trying to push our internal teams to start doing more things that are combining technology with design and more so so that it makes sense to them combining technology with strategy, so to speak, because when you're talking to them, it's more so just about the tactics behind things and how you're going to do it, what you're going to do to get there. But the the what and the how that you're going to get there in, we're trying to make that aspect of it technology. So for example, you know, we have an internal, uh, an internal application that allows, you know, you to you or you to use this artificial intelligence and this augmented reality to be able to t- present these huge PowerPoint presentations just at the touch of your fingers. But certain things like that, obviously it sounds like a really extravagant idea, but things like that take time along with testing and just being able to figure out the kinks, figure out where it works, push its limitations, see how it engages with its audience and things like that. So certain things like that within our hub, we are kind of testing just to see what, I guess, how we can advantage it the most. So that's, you know, definitely something that I'm excited about as well. What's something that perhaps not many people understand about you? Oh, (laughs) I would say a lot of people don't understand my perspective. Having come from Baltimore within the inner city, going to school there and, and, you know, coming from there to Bowie to Atlanta, and, you know, going to different places along the way, a lot of people don't understand my thought process when it comes to, you know, how I'm thinking about things. And I guess the fluidity in which I'm thinking about certain things, I always like to get variety and and get other people's perspective and get just a a round table view of, of what's going on. Because I feel like before, you know, we do any problem solving or or solution oriented tactics, we need to figure out what's currently at the table and get it from each angle. So I'm always the one to say, well, have we thought about this? Well, how did we get here if we haven't gotten there? Or I'm, I'm always the one to ask questions. And to some people, it may come off as, well, maybe... I don't want to use the word like arrogant, but some sometimes it may come off as like a know-it-all type of situation, but more so it's just pushing people to be able to understand the, the different sides of one situation. Because, you know, outside of your view, there are the person that you're talking to and the people that they're talking to. So mm-hmm. always pushing people to, to see the different perspectives in life. Who are some of the people that influence you? Some of the people that influence me... I would say a lot of them are within the educational sector. Two of them, which I went to Bowie with, or which were my professors at Bowie. One is obviously Jennifer White Johnson. She 
definitely had a huge impact on, you know, my, my college life when it came to design and things like that. But also another one of my mentors at Bowie, uh, Tamisha Ponder, she is like my, my yoga mentor, so to speak. So I have my design, I have my yoga. They, you know, definitely helped shape the person I became at Bowie from, you know, the, the different programs that I joined with both of them in it or the different events that I attended that they may have hosted or certain things like that had an, an influence on what I thought or what I made of, you know, the, the different topics that were brought up and just being able to get exposed to certain things like that, you know, as opposed to just doing the college thing, you know, going to class, going back to my room, being really interactive with things that were going on, you know, not only on campus, but outside of campus, you know, what what can you do? You know, they would always push me to do things off campus because one of them did go to Bowie and the other, I think Jennifer Y. Johnson went to UMBC. So, they were like, you know, do things outside of here. Like, don't just stay here, like, you know, venture out. So, and definitely something that impacted me throughout my college years. And just now to this day, they both, you know, give me a really positive influence on life. Mm-hmm. And I would say one other person is a professor that I had at SCAD, Judy Sousinger. She is definitely a character. I love Judy so much. I remember one of the first things she said to me, she was like, you know what, Jalen? I said, yeah. She said, you're a smart ass. Uh, and I laughed. She said, I am too. I was like, okay, good. Yeah, Judy is amazing. She was also one of those people that helped me see, you know, the, the different views on things. She uh, was a professor for a few of my classes at SCAD, but she's also the chair of the Department of Advertising there. So just through, she took us on different field trips and just from like sitting and talking with her, she was an industry professional before. So she had some experience in the things that I wanted to do and the places that I wanted to go. So her being kind of my, my on-site influence because she was here in Atlanta when I came down here. And then just having my two other mentors back home and keeping up with them still. So it was kind of a nice easy balance between, you know, the three of them and, and the impact that they kind of put on not only my design life, but life outside of design as well. Nice. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like it's 2025. What kind of things do you want to be working on? So in 2025, I would love to, over the years, you know, just start to learn how to design in these different softwares that are dealing with virtual reality and augmented reality. I hopefully wouldn't take a full five years, but definitely would be looking into starting to utilize that in people's day-to-day lives. These are things that, you know, some people think are just the the bells and whistles on the car, but in reality, these are, you know, the moving parts to it. And, and these are things that we can start to incorporate into what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. So I would love to just be able to kind of articulate that with a company that is that forward thinking and and that open-minded, so to speak, to 
kind of give that that leverage towards me to be able to kind of help promote these different technologies and and help put them in a way that is not only solving a problem but also is obviously visually pleasing so well just to you know kind of wrap things up here where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online so you can go to my website, www.jaylyneasley.com, J-A-I-L-Y-N-E-A-S-L-E-Y. And you can find me on Instagram at Vanessa Williams, like finesse, F-I-N-E-S-S-E, <laughs> Vanessa Williams, underscore, underscore on Instagram. Nice. I like that. Vanessa Williams. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jalen Easley, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think, as I mentioned to this to you when uh, I reached out before, I was like, we've actually had cross paths before. This is back when we were trying to do our whole like student yeah. perspective series. I think you were still at Bowie at the time. And I think to look at that and now, especially as you've talked about your story, coming down here to Atlanta, going to SCAD, working with these brands, like it's amazing how much you've been able to accomplish in really a fairly short amount of time. And I think it's great that you, you've had the support of other black designers and other really honestly black people in like entrepreneurship and business to make that happen. And I feel like that's something that we just need to see more of. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what you do in the future. Like, as I was hearing you talk about this, you reminded me a lot of someone who we've actually had on the show three times now, Sarah Honey Young, who She's now what is she, what does Sarah do now? She's a she's a DJ now, I think. But she's been like a pivotal part of design and stuff for like the past 15, 20 odd something years. There's like three interviews of her on the site, so people can listen to it. But as I was listening to you describe all of these different experiences you've had and working with all these different brands, I was like, I can see just how grand your career is going to be. So I'm glad to have the chance to to talk to you at this stage of your career and see just how things are going. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Big, huge thanks to Jalen Easley. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Jalen and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. And of course, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Facebook design and abstract. Facebook Design, of course, is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. And if you want to learn more about how the Facebook design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, then please visit Facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch, but for designers... Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio here in Atlanta, Georgia. Are you looking for some creative consulting for your next project? Then let's do lunch. Visit us at yepitslunch.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by RJ Basilio. 
Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Our transcripts are provided by Glitch. So what did you think of this episode? Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, or even better, by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll even read your review right here on the show. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.